and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Happy Friday. Welcome to The Blaze, live and on demand and podcast as well as radio. I am Steve Dace. We have a packed house here. For the Dace Group Roundtable, we'll begin that in a moment. Todd is here. Aaron, you see them each and every day. Our guest panelist for the Dace Group today, joining us live from the room of requirement, it is the one and only Harry Potter is here. I, I can't tell you. I mean, oh, I, knew we were going, I knew we were going big time. I mean, but I had no idea that we were on, we were on the, ma- the Marauder's Map at Hogwarts right now. So, Mr. Potter, it is truly... Truly a pleasure. Uh, and and I hope you'll be safe taking platform nine and three quarters home from the show here today. How are you, Chris Pandolfo? Um, I'm pretty good, Steve. Uh, you know, I, I wish my takes were magical, but, you know, the, these nerd glasses were the best I could do. <laughs> and, and by the way, Chris, I don't know how well you know me or not, but Todd and Aaron can tell you, if you think I'm done playing this card... No, oh, I know. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, just for everybody's like, it. Steve, it's dead. I'll have just begun to cliche. I just want you to know that, Chris. All right. Now, what I the, appreciate it, Steve. One of, what are the, I'm sure that you do. <laughs> one of the cool things we get to do on this show, other than um, humiliate uh, our, our peers and coworkers when they deserve it, uh, of course. Uh, and, and not. Uh, and even and, when they don't. And even when they don't. Uh, when we're not humiliating one another. Uh, We also like to support excellent causes, and one of the causes we're supporting this year, it's called Back to Jerusalem. They're based in communist China, and really their vision is to reach as many closed countries with the gospel uh, between uh, that border between Jerusalem and China as they possibly can. What do we mean by a closed country? That would be a country that doesn't let the word of God, the the light of the word of God, uh, doesn't let it in. Why? Well, because it inspires people to hope even more than a a vibrant economy, an enlightened education system, uh, a benefactor welfare state from the government. Nothing inspires a people to hope more than the ultimate source of hope, and that's uh, the Word of God. And they've they've come up with this way, I guess for lack of a better term, smuggles a dirty word. How about sneak in without the government officials knowing it? We'll go with that. And they found a way to sneak in uh, the word of God to close countries like Iran and North Korea and communist China. And, and that's what these, I guess, for lack of a better description, these pill-sized uh, Bibles. Don't worry, it, it, it's, it, they didn't write their own Bible. This is the Bible, uh, every word of it, from Genesis to Revelation. They've just put it in a format that allows it to get by some of the people that otherwise might not let it into the country. And they're asking for our help here at The Blaze. Uh, to get the word of God to as many of these people in these closed countries as they possibly can for basically the cost of, of, you know, less of a cost of taking your family to a fast food joint. 15 bucks is what will deliver these Bibles to places like Iran, North Korea, China, Somalia, etc. If you want to help this very worthwhile cause, please visit the website, blazehelp.org. That's blazehelp.org, or you can simply give them a call, 844-305-0566. That's 844-305-0566. And now, it's time for the Dace Group.
Your weekly look at the week that was. And if you're new here, you might be like, you know, the music and graphics and stuff. That sounds really familiar. But we're not talking about that right now. No, we're not. Instead, we're talking about issue one, the longest shutdown ever. The partial government shutdown continued this week with hardly any end in sight, but never fear. There were no shortage of contrived controversies and sophomoric hot takes, namely starting with the Clemson national champion football team visiting the White House. And my goodness, who among us didn't see those stacks of burgers and think, I could really go for a Big Mac at the White House right about now. Not to worry, though, Donald Trump is still sexist. So I had a choice. Do we have no food for you? Because we have a shutdown. Or do we give you some little quick salads that the first lady will make along with along with the second lady? They'll make some salads. And I said, you guys aren't into salads. Or do I go out, Lindsey Graham and Tim Scott? Do I go out and send out for about 1,000 hamburgers, Big Macs? So we actually... That's appalling. Uh, It seems to me like the president will not be happy until there is not one single female Republican voter in the country. It's incredibly sexist. Later in the week, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi effectively canceled the State of the Union address as we've come to know it. As Speaker, she has the power to invite or not invite the president to address the Congress in person. She cited security concerns as her rationale for canceling the address. Not wanting to be outdone, our Commander-in-Chief and Commander-in-Chief is very important in this particular story. Our Commander-in-Chief Donald Trump decided to cancel Nancy Pelosi's and other members of Congress's trip to Afghanistan and other countries. As Commander-in-Chief, Trump has the final say on which military resources will be spent where, and the congressional delegation was planning on using said military resources for their transportation. And oh man, the pearl-clutching man. Oh, the pearl clutching was next level from the left, and nowhere was this about face more prominent than from Chris Saliza of CNN. Literally less than a day apart, he sent these following tweets. One day, he says, Nancy Pelosi just pulled a major power move on Donald Trump's State of the Union. The next day, he says, taking the lower road, always. In other news, a trend amongst Democrats resurfaced this week, circulating this conspiracy slash rumor that Lindsey Graham is gay. So so it's been a great week, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we we just made the week great again right here in real time. All right. First question, uh, Chris, I'll start with you, uh, Mr. Potter. I'll start with you uh, here in the defense of dark arts class. Uh, who won the week? Do you think, Chris? Do, do you look at any of those segments and think, ah, somebody won. Everybody's losing this week, man. There's, there, <laughs> there is no winning in this week. Uh, it's one, one thing that I immediately thought of when I was watching the CNN segment, and then Aaron brought it back earlier at the end of his montage is just with all these people clutching their pearls so tightly, how do they not choke? <laughs> yes. <laughs> this 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 week was nuts. Uh, I think next week is going to be nuts. There's no end to the shutdown on site because nobody wants to compromise and reopen the government. And uh, really, at this point, the only things that I could see actually changing things are as Senate Republicans have enough, and they figure we just we need to reopen the government, guys. We, uh, who cares if we get the wall or not? And they uh, they 
pass a bill, send it to Trump's desk, he vetoes it, and they either override the veto, or Democrats decide, okay, we've had enough, we just need to cave on something. Uh, besides those two things happening, I just, I can't see how this ends. It, every single day is the same as the last day. It's Groundhog Day, over and over again, throughout this entire shutdown. Todd? Listen, I'm, I, I think I'm in the minority on this because there's a lot of people I respect, uh, like Chris, who are taking something like that. I think I see it much different. This is the last week has been one of the best weeks of Trump's presidency. It, it, our disdain for Donald Trump, I get it. It's uncomfortable that he is our president. But at some level, you got to own it. And if he is capable of sustaining this level of focus and what there's nothing petty at all about what he pulled off with uh, waiting until he got off that bus. If he can sustain this, he's going to break the left because the left is not used to this. They are always the one breaking Republicans and he will drive them bonkers with this. I thought that was incredibly well played. I think with McDonald's, uh, it was the left that looked petty. Now, look, at I, I, the, the when the people tune in, how they tune in, what they decide. I, I don't know. But ultimately, if you just forget, everybody is just so butthurt on Donald Trump. If there was a different Republican president who annied up and did this, there'd be all the people that are ripping on Trump now on the right, I think a lot of them would be clapping for him. They just can't stand that it's the one that Trump is the one that's doing it. I, I, this, I think it's undeniable. Which... Which week was undeniably better for Donald Trump than this one? I see a winner. I actually see a winner. I'll say this. You know, I've, I've pointed out often Trump's shtick, the narcissism, the witch hunt. I'm great. Uh, no one's done this better than me. Uh, I've pointed out numerous times when this stuff comes up. I live in the suburb, the kind of suburb Trump has to win all over America. Suburban voters hate that crap. Uh, how many times have you heard me say that? Right, they right. just, I, My Recently. neighbors hate it. I will also tell you this. None of my neighbors— um, not even the lesbian couple next door. Uh, none of my neighbors in my suburb are going to be offended that Trump referenced uh, the first and second lady uh, trying to come up with something uh, for a meal at the last minute for, un- for, for guests given an unexpected circumstance. No, none of the, there is no suburban voter. No matter how – with a Subaru in their yard and, uh, and hate doesn't live here sign or not, that is all of, that, is, that is offended at what Joan Walsh was clutching her pearls about on that show. That, that's, that's totally a ridiculous take. Not to mention she's saying that at the very same time that the Women's March is literally bottoming out. Yes. Why? <laughs> Why? Because, they're, because of anti-Semitism, because yes. of yeah, a lot of other vile things. Aaron, who won the week, do you think? Uh, every fast food joint within a one-square-mile radius of the White House won this week. <laughs> Uh, America, baby. America. I think they, I think they hit their quotas for the year. Uh, no, I, I think uh, the the real winner this week. It, um, I, I, I'm more along the lines of agreeing with Chris, where there really wasn't, really wasn't a clear winner uh, of the week. Uh, but I, at the same time, all we got to do this week, and I'll repeat this. I said this last week, uh, and I'll, I said it once this week, and I'll say it probably again. Um, I, I'm in the mode of anything that's not, um, we're going to build a wall or we're not going to build a wall. The verdict of whatever this ends up being, um, anything that happens between now and then is just noise and bluster. And so as, as far as, um, as far as the, the media goes and how, how they've attacked this and how they've covered all this, my, my goodness, a woman that we had on the show, not too long ago. Um, I mean, 
Todd was you, you can go on Todd's um, Todd's Twitter timeline. Come on, Heather Timmons, the from, Heather from Ports.com. Yeah. Uh, this is and Todd and I were talking about this. This is journalism nowadays. Just the complete about face, shameless about face that our media does every time. Any story. This is a story about a football team coming to the White House. Um, and uh, Heather wasn't talking about that. It was talking about the canceled trip, the uh, the canceled delegation to these countries. Um, but every time just a little story comes up, it's always attack, attack, attack. Because the, any 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 semblance of anything standing in their way uh, between them and getting power, and I'm talking about them, the media, leftist cabal, uh, anything standing in their way of getting power, they will attack and tear down. And we got into that yesterday as well. This is the same thing with, I think, with Lindsey Graham as well, the stupid story that's going around about him as well. So nobody won. Everybody lost this week. Well, you know, what disappointed me about Heather Timmons on a human level is we invited her on the show. She was gracious enough to come. And, you know, uh, I thought we had a very, uh, we didn't agree on everything by a long shot, but absolutely. I think she would, you know, if you go back and watch the that in the archives, you'll see she was treated rather respectfully. And so for her to return the favor by attempt to troll me, uh, I'm not even as offended at that as I am by how weak her troll game was. Like, I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to step to me, you know, after I treat you well and respectful, um, you know, then bring your A game. You know, I mean, I, I make me sweat. You know, don't don't drop, you know, save that stuff or, you know, gateway pundit or losers there. I mean, if you're going to come here, I need a little more than all I have to do is reverse your tweet to hang you by your own noose. I need something stronger, better, something that made me stop and think for at least seven or eight seconds about how would I possibly respond to your masterful turn of a phrase. So I, I think I was actually more offended that she came uh, she came at me as weekly as she did, not necessarily that she really came at me at all after the way that uh, we went out of our way to treat her respectfully here on the show. Let's get to the exit question. In fact, no, let's pause for a second. There's a mate, well, there's a story that broke last night and we don't know what it's, if it's true. We don't know if it's major, but it's one of the leading stories in the country at the time we're doing this show live. Now we have a, a policy on our show, which we initiated um, several months ago. We do not address or comment upon anonymous sourced stories from or about this White House either way, just because, frankly, there's so much lying going back and forth that I'm just I'm just we're just not going to go there. But we do have now both um, Mr. Cohen's attorney uh, as well as uh, the president's attorney, Rudy Giuliani. So Lanny Davis, <clears throat> pardon me, the, Mr. Cohen's attorney and, and Rudy Giuliani are now both on the record commenting on this BuzzFeed story. Uh, and now one BuzzFeed reporter says he has seen the documentation. He told MSNBC two re- BuzzFeed reporters had this story. The one that went on MSNBC said he has seen the documentation. The other that went on CNN today said that he had not, but that he had spoken to two law enforcement officials who had. But essentially, the story is Michael Cohen has uh, has testified to special counsel Robert Mueller that he lied to Congress. He committed perjury before Congress, specifically at the direction of the president of the United States. Okay, now, um, I don't know. To me, I think this actually becomes pretty open or shut. Because Michael Cohen right now is, is, is scheduled to testify publicly to the U.S. Congress on February the 7th. That's in less than three weeks. Uh, there's been some talk that maybe Cohen is going to try and back out of that. I think Republicans should insist, should subpoena and insist that he show. 
if the Democrats won't do it. Uh, to me, because either and BuzzFeed, who, you know, one of their reporters tweeted to me their Pulitzer nomination. Now, that's a good troll game. I respect that. That's coming at me strong. I'm with you on that. But this is also a website that's far better known for its pop-up series on best anal bleaching techniques, okay? So, you know, <laughs> I'm not exactly sure this is the place to go for breaking news. Although, I must say, and we were talking about this before we went on the show today, there would be something poetic about BuzzFeed being the website that comes up with the smoking gun, given, you know, it, it, the current president of the United States used the National Enquirer to help him uh, get to where he currently is. I mean, there would be, there would be, you, you like to talk about how journalistic journalism is magical and not at all broken. This is like right out of the first season of, uh, of House of Cards, where Kate's character, who works for the, the show's version of BuzzFeed, ends up out scooping, you know, all of the uh, the major Washington media establishments that that almost would be apropos for the spirit of the age in which we live. But I, my opinion on this is, I don't have one because I don't know what the truth is. I like clarity. I think uh, Mr. Cohen should be asked this under oath on February seventh if he tries to back out of testifying. I think Republicans should demand that he show up. Let's get some clarity on this once and for all rather than have all these dangling participles out there. Does anybody else want to address this before we move on to the next topic? Uh, sure, I'll take a swing at it. Go ahead. Uh, basically, uh, that's the first thing, is you have to figure out whether or not it's true. Uh, and we're going to learn whether or not it's true once Mueller eventually releases his report, uh, which details what he's found against the president of the United States. And we might find out sooner if Cohen testifies before Congress and says, yes, uh, this uh, thing happened and President Trump directed me to lie. And what's important to understand is what what uh, the BuzzFeed report is alleging happened is a felony, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So all the all the questions about whether or not Trump obstructed justice by firing James Comey, whether he colluded with the Russia, that's all moot. Uh, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. uh, what becomes the central focus is Trump committed this felony, and is that an impeachable offense? And then uh, it's up to Congress to decide, well, it did what Trump do? Uh, is that worth removing him from office for and doing that kind of damage to the country? Or uh, are we just going to let the voters have their say in 2020? Or do we just not care? And uh, once he's gone, maybe then we'll indict him for this felony if it's true. And that's the key thing. So you have to figure out whether or not this is true. And we don't have enough evidence yet to make a definitive statement about that. Anybody else? Because I want to get to the next topic. My response, go to my Twitter feed. Uh, it's from the movie Storks. It's a monologue yes. from Pigeon Toady. That's all I got on yes. this right now. And that's all it deserves. <laughs> yep. Really? Go there. And it's like, so we've got Storks. Harry Potter's on the panel, and BuzzFeed is like, I, we interrupt this survey of best tranny bathrooms on Interstate 80 to bring you the Trump presidency smoking gun, if, America, baby. I dare you. If you can, 2019. I dare you to find better analysis than that, what I just pointed you towards. That's right. what Todd said. All right, let's get to issue two. It's raining men or not. Gillette executives apparently woke up one morning not too long ago, put on their intersectionality shirts, their lecturing loafers, and their virtue-signaling britches, and decided to hire a feminist, man-hating director by the name of Kim Gehrig to produce the following commercial. You're looking sharp. You're looking good. You've come so far. And we know how most of who you are Father to son It's what we've always done oh, I'm sorry, that's not the commercial. This is the commercial. Bullying. The Me Too movement against sexual harassment. masculinity. Is this the best a man can get? 
Is it? We can't hide from it. It's been going on far too long. We can't laugh it off. Who's the daddy? What I actually think she's trying to say. Making the same old excuses. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. But something finally changed. Allegations regarding sexual assault and sexual harassment. And there will be no going back. The second half of the commercial goes on to paint a picture of masculinity or at least paint a picture of some sort of real masculinity. But when the premise is set that all men are inherently bad, all you're going to get is folly. Speaking of folly, PETA, yeah, they're still around. PETA produced the following vegetable porn companion piece to the Gillette commercial. The Babylon Bee says, Least masculine society in human history decides masculinity is a growing threat. Yes. Todd, I go to you first. What's happening here, do you think? Uh, I happened to read it to you right before the show. I mean, it's amazing the sources I'm giving you uh, these days, but they're rock solid. I tr- the Onion, a uh, woman didn't know progress on toxic masculinity would turn boyfriend into such a weepy little pansy. That is what's happening here. <laughs> and there's another story. Uh, I forget, I think it might be in the Times. That I'm not entirely sure. But a, a woman writing about Beta O'Rourke and how he is yeah, now... I, I know this writer. This yeah. is Nia, yes. Nia Henderson. At the, well, she used to be yes. at the Washington Post. I think she's with CNN He is now. yet a, yeah. a, a victor for white privilege in the way he is allowed to comp- campaign and no woman would be allowed to get away with. Well, guess which way he's campaign- campaigning? Like the kind of man that Gillette is telling you to be. So my advice to you is this game sucks. Don't play it. Defeat it. It's a joke. Chris? Uh well, first of all, about that PETA ad, I saw the the unblurred version, and I can't unsee it. And uh, PETA should be uh, arrested for that. That explains humanity. what's on your face right now. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's how it happened, America. Yes, continue. All right. Uh, now, uh, the other thing is uh, about the Gillette ad. I, I understand why conservatives are mad at it, and the way that it portrayed masculinity is only those bad things. Uh, but but other than that, I mean, it, it's really harmless in a way. I, I wasn't that bothered by it and it's the message basically is you shouldn't sexually harass people now where it goes off the deep end is that it says that every single one of you is a sexual harasser and in the entirety of masculinity is toxic and that that i think is the thing that they got wrong but if they had just stuck to the message of hey real men protect women hey real men raise the children to be respectful of their elders and not to beat the crap out of each other you know if they focused on what um, masculinity as fathers being protectors, defenders of the home, if they'd focused on that aspect of it, I think they would have been way better and way more on track. Can I, it, it's, it's worse than that because it's either leads directly to the PETA ad or is made by the same uh, kind of uh, people with uh, winks and nods where if you're woke, then you get to shove phalluses in people's faces. Then, then there's no rules because it, it's a joke or you're in the right cult or you're point. in the right club. Yep. I mean, I, I will not give these one benefit of the doubt. I know not to. Hey, run. the woman on The View that they had on from the Women's March when she was getting questioned from a Democrat on the panel that we played that clip earlier this week mm-hmm. about why won't she why she won't denounce Louis Farrakhan when she explained right. why people in the clap, audience clap, applauded. Clap, clap, clap. Yes. Clap, clap, clap. People in the audience yes. applauded. Then yep. you get to get away with that. No. I, listen, I, I 
have four daughters. You don't get to lecture me on toxic masculinity, about how I'm supposed to treat women. I treat them just fine. Uh, uh, I'm a Catholic. We can talk standards all day long. Your pagan religion does not trump my standards of the good, the true, and beautiful. That commercial can go to hell. Aaron. Yeah, well said. Here's how you don't respond to a, a commercial like that. I saw somebody on the right, I think, this week. Um, and I, I With a dancing video of Ocasio-Cortez? Oh, yeah, that too, probably. <laughs> okay, okay. No, I saw a All blue right. checkmark person on the right um, on Twitter breaking down how many black people versus white or black men versus white men there were in the first half of the ad or black men versus white men in the second half of the ad. And I'll give that person the benefit of the, ba- the doubt. I don't. I, I think I know what they were doing. Don't respond to uh, toxic men. Ever, all men are toxic with um, you're racist or, you know, r- just looking at the color. of. No, don't. That's playing their game. Don't look at the uh, different colors of the, the skins of the people in the ga- in the commercials, even though I wouldn't put it past the people who made this to do that, actually, um, you know, intentionally as well. But yeah, this this notion again, the the second half of the ad, it it is nonsensical. Um, the, the whole ad is nonsensical because in the first half you're told you're a man or you're bad and you can't change. The second half of the ad is now change. Uh, first of all, the premise we all know this: the premise that all men uh, just are inherently bad because of what's between their legs. Um, you know that is that is um, right out of the feminist progressive playbook handbook, and I, again intersectionality at its finest on display this week and the re- i saw a lot of responses and i want to I, I would i guess we probably don't have too much time did you guys see the responses from a lot of people saying well you've got really thin skin if you had a problem with this ad um no the fact that we can actually um diagnose what is being said in that ad i think means that we're actually strong you're the ones who are going along with this crap you're the ones who are playing along with it it really quick i i i have a problem with the consequences of this ad and since i brought it up i'll bring it even closer to home my catholic church we talk about it all the time what it's dealing with well this this commercial and what it's preaching isn't new it's been going on for decades and it's led to my church being full of a bunch of bishops who fit the also fit the bill of what you let wants and they let all the wolves into the hen house in fact they are the wolves and they're the one uh in, engaged in uh pederasty and then the up of pederasty this is a road that goes right off a cliff and they know it and they know they've had it for a while it's nothing new they're just resetting it what i think happened here is a bunch of men in the gillette boardroom wanted to show that they were sensitive to the concerns of the era and and some consultant said hey here's this feminist director go hire her she did this this then they did it and, and, and you can tell that this is what went down because the ad tries to have it both ways. The ad tries to, tries to give the feminist spirit, Me Too spirit of the age. It, it, it makes alms to, that's the first half of the ad that Aaron played. It makes alms to that shibboleth. And then it turns around and says, but oh, by the way, in order to uh, protect and defend us from all this toxic masculinity, we're going to need your masculinity after all. The second half of that ad is a repudiation of of what feminists preach. It's a house divided against itself. Yes, and that that just tells me that's a corporate boardroom that doesn't know what the hell it's doing, that thinks it's going to come up with some middle way to please both sides. Uh, And 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 you know what? Stick to making razors, all right? Stick to making razors. That, that, That would be my advice. Exit question. If the state of masculinity in America were a Led Zeppelin song, which Led Zeppelin song would it be? A, nobody's fault but mine. B, 
Dazed and confused. C, babe, I'm going to leave you. D, communication breakdown. Todd. D. Chris. Um, B. B, dazed and confused. Aaron. Uh, what was A again? A was nobody's fault but mine. Yeah, it's A. It's A. You guys all gave different answers. I could actually make a case for every single one of those, as a matter of fact. Sure. I'm, I'm kind of surprised somebody didn't... Uh, you know, didn't give me the all of the above, but Shannon's not here to not accept the premise of any of my questions. <laughs> not that that annoys me. All right. All right. When we come back, um, we're going to give everybody the chance uh, in the second part of our day group roundtable. Everybody's going to get the chance to drop a truth bomb in honor of my new book as I continue to look for opportunities to, to shill and try to get you to buy it. Buy the book. Buy the book. Which book? That book right there. Buy that book. Right. Oh, that's a cool book. It's a cool cover. And you know, the cooler the cover, right? Like we used to go to the Blockbuster back in the day. Every time you got the coolest uh, cover, you took the movie home. It was always the worst movie. Remember mm. that? Every time. Every time. So it's you're like saying they, your book is the worst? No, I'm saying we're going to, we broke the mold. We're breaking that trend. That's an interesting sales pitch. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, that went off the rails. I, I, I work for Gillette. I'm sorry. All right. So part two of the Days Group Roundtable coming your way next year on The Blaze. Stay tuned. Back here live and on demand on The Blaze. We'll get back to the Dace Group in a moment. But, you know, when we see individuals have the courage of conviction to take a stand, we like to uh, applaud that and support that here on the show because uh, courage of conviction is in pretty short supply these days. Miss Victoria Hurst, just such a person. Uh, she is single-handedly taking on a media giant known as Cosmopolitan Magazine. But uh, this one hits even closer to home because Cosmos owned by the Hurst corporation that's her family's company that's right miss victoria hurst uh she is related to uh the late great uh, william randolph hurst this is her family's company um and she's taking on the cause of saying hey we can do better as a family it's called cosmohurtskids.com cosmohurtskids.com here's the mission uh, she's pointed out that uh, Cosmo has gotten increasingly adult in recent years, and for lack of a better description, it's basically peddling pornography to underage women, underage girls. So she's like, you know, I don't want to get involved in censorship or anything of that nature. I'm not trying to take a job away from anybody. But if you guys here at the family business are, are going to start putting things in the magazine that are overtly adult, then, you know, we should market it and uh, shield it uh, appropriately. We should do what uh, other adult-oriented entertainment does on a newsstand. It's covered, it's hidden away, or you have to show you're 18 to purchase it. Uh, and that's her cause, uh, is to try and raise enough awareness that her family takes her advice uh, and is more responsible in how they're marketing Cosmo magazine. If you agree, visit the website, CosmoHurtsKids.com. That's CosmoHurtsKids.com. And you can visit, learn more about how you can support this cause there at CosmoHurtsKids.com. All right, let's get to issue three here on the Dace Group this week, Truth Bombs. Steve's new book released this week, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise. It's now the number one book in the political advocacy category on Amazon, the world's largest bookseller. Here are a few books and authors that it's beating out right now. 
Rules for Radicals by Saul Alinsky, Where We Go From Here by Bernie Sanders, Minority Leader by Stacey Abrams, Our Revolution by Bernie Sanders, Beyond the Messy Truth by Van Jones, and Rules for Patriots by Steve Dace. I'm not sure what the last few moments accomplished other than just bragging about the initial success of the book, but it's still kind of cool to look at anyway, and you should buy the book. Send Steve's kids to Disney World. Yes, yes, yes. So here's the thing. I I needed to come up with a totally contrived way to uh, promote the book during the Dace Group, one of our most popular and uh, downloaded and listened to uh, segments each week. And I, I needed to have it be contrived without seemingly being contrived that might provide some value to the audience at the exact same time. And I thought a good way of doing that actually would be to open the floor to each of our panelists this week and give each of you a chance to drop your own truth bomb about any topic, any subject whatsoever, whatsoever, but an area that you believe the searing light of truth, a Dresden-like firebombing of truth needs to be applied in this particular era or area. So Aaron, in honor of that uh, magical sweater that you are wearing today, I'm going to let you go first, brother. Thank you, Steve. Um, There's been an ongoing trend. I mentioned it very, very briefly at the end of yesterday's montage, but there's been this ongoing trend um, on social media that I'm seeing from uh, a lot of conservatives and even beyond conservatives as well, but a lot of conservative, this not searing truth, boys who can shave. Um, This trend about going on Twitter, taking pictures of your facial hair, and then asking people if uh, you should grow more facial hair, and then um, continuing, my butt dig? continuing to uh, go back and forth about said facial hair, um, all the while, uh, all the while pretending that you're actually doing something manly. Um, that has got to stop. That that you know there there's co- passing comment like, "Hey, cool sweater," or "Hey, uh, Chris, nice glasses," or. Todd liked the beard, looking Thank sharp. You. And then there's, um, hey, do you like my beard? Do you think I should grow it some more? Hey, do you think I should grow a beard? Do you think I should grow a beard? Okay. Enough. Enough. If you just grew a beard and said not a word, I'd be more happy with the viril- the overall virility of conservatism. But now that you're talking about it, bleep that. Bleep that so much. Stop it. <laughs> I I can't grow a beard, so I don't even know what to say. Now you're doing it too. What am I doing? I'm scared. Oh, okay. <laughs> Whatever it is, I'm oh. sorry. You're not saying anything. You're doing the manly thing. You're shutting your pie hole. Yeah, because I, I I I can't grow a beard, man. I can't I can't step. But uh, I do think, yeah, the constant asking other dudes. You know, should I go here? Should I do that? Should I flip my collar up? Should I roll my jeans? Uh, no, dude, we don't. We don't do that, dude. Not here. Not here. Okay, save that for the Bravo channel, but we don't do that here. No. Todd, your truth bomb. A lot of good, uh, important stories written post uh, Karen pants hazing about how uh, the left is coming after uh, Christianity and. Orthodox Christianity, and you should be worried, and you should. Uh, but the truth bond here is the far greater enemy of Christianity than the left is Christianity itself. Uh, 
Christianity. Uh, th- th- as I said before about uh, Gillette, and that's nothing new. Uh, listen, the wolf has been in the hen house for a very, very long time, and sitting there talking about uh, Orthodox Christianity is one thing. Uh, but then, if the things of Orthodox Christianity were really preached on a regular basis on your church, a lot of you are the ones now who go into Karen Pence's defense. But when the gospel really gets unrolled, you're like, I don't know, can we can we parse that a little differently? I don't know if I really want to hear that all the time. Uh, listen, the, the the left would not be the left today if it wasn't for the utter caving inside the church uh, for decades. And the other caving that, as far as I can see, is still prepared to go on and on and on. Roll Tide Republicanism, we've talked, documented ad nauseum. Look at, look at the, the way— Christians uh, vote, the Catholic vote, how split is that? Listen, trust me, if Orthodox Christianity uh, was healthy uh, in this current moment, we wouldn't have a thing to worry about. It's, as Steve often says, uh, it's a you problem. It's an us problem. Todd, what do you think about uh, an official at uh, the largest evangelical university on planet Earth helping a politician rig polls in his favor? Your thoughts? I just I just gave him. Yeah, yeah. All right. I just thought I'd throw that in in light of everything you just said. Uh, Harry Potter, you're a truth bomb, <clears throat> Mr. Right, Potter. So uh, this this one's a serious one. So President Ronald Reagan once said that libertarianism is the heart and soul of conservatism. Right? That's not true. Libertarianism and conservatism are two very different worldviews that ultimately, in the long run, are not compatible. They might be compatible for short-term policy goals, like cutting taxes, uh, making sure the government isn't burdensome with regulation, but they view the world very, very differently. If you're a libertarian, you're someone who believes that the purpose of government really is there's a choice between anarchy and freedom and coercion, right? You're very pro-freedom. Freedom is the highest good. So the role of government is to maximize freedom while making sure that people don't get hurt. And then outside of that purview, you basically let people make their own choices and do whatever they want. Uh, You understand individuals to be the centerpiece of society, and it's individual choices that build society. And conservatism doesn't really believe that. Conservatism looks towards the institutions in history that maximize what is good. In other words, if a libertarian believes that freedom is the highest good, a conservative believes that good is the highest good, and freedom is a means to achieving what is good for human beings. Uh, We look at the institutions in history that have developed, that have maximized human flourishing, and we say, that worked, let's keep doing that. That doesn't work, let's keep doing that. Uh, When you look at the role of government, the role of government isn't to maximize freedom. The role of government is to pursue what is good for human beings. It is uh, to punish wickedness and to reward righteousness. And so you can unify those two things, short-term libertarianism, maximizing freedom, because we look at history and we see typically human beings force mostly when they're free to make their own choices within the constraints of uh, moral laws. You know, you can't go around killing people. That's wrong. It's immoral. We're not going to let you do that. But you can unite libertarianism and conservatism in the short term for short-term policy goals. But if you're trying to build a movement that encompasses both worldviews in the long run, it's not going to work. And eventually conservatives and libertarians are going to have to, in America, are going to have to resolve those differences and see if we can continue together in the long run. I'm skeptical that we can. Bravo. Yeah, great I, philosophy lesson. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. I've also been involved in political partnerships with libertarians in my home, my home state and around the country because I my own strategic view is if we don't unite right now, we never don't have the luxury of having the argument that you just picked, mm-hmm. which we need to have. 
But to me, that's we're, we're not going to have the luxury of that argument given the current political. I, I look forward to us being able to have the debate that you just so well articulated there. Good job, Chris. Uh, exit question. A decade from now, here's a truth bomb. A decade from now, do you believe the two-party system as it currently, as we currently know it, will still be in place? When I'm 55 years old and we go to vote 10 years from now, is it still going to look the same way that it looks right now, Todd? Yes. Aaron? Yes. Chris? I think the party platforms will be very different, but we're still going to have a two-party system. All right. Let's get to issue four. Do you feel old yet? Get off my lawn. (laughs) Here's why I brought this up. 50 years ago this week, 50 years ago, that's a half a century, Erzin. Half a century. 50 years ago this week, the best rock band J.R. Tolkien ever inspired debuted. Led Zeppelin released its first album 50 years ago this week. This is the latest thing to make me feel old, so I'm going to ask each of you, Name something or some things from your childhood that today's kids just would not be able to understand. Todd, I'll start with you in order of seniority. I got mercilessly mocked, even though we have, they understand it because it's in our house. Uh, We don't have some awesome stereo, uh, but just vestiges from my wife's and my past. We have something that loosely can be called Steve you'll know this but the Aaron's gonna laugh at us but we call it a boombox yeah and I called it a boombox a few months ago just not thinking like I've never been laughed at so hard by my own children they're like ah stupid old man he just called it a boombox by the way 35 years ago last month was the debut of break into Electric, Electric Boogaloo. Boogaloo. One, of see, the rare, one of the rare examples of the sequel being better than the original, frankly. See, I, the context like this, though, with the music, though, I, Zeppelin somehow seems younger to me now than it did when you and I were old enough to yeah. first discover Zeppelin because yeah. they aren't, we aren't contemporaries with Zeppelin breaking out. No, I'm out. not 50 years old, it, no. So, not yet, but anyway. When you, th- when you think about how old Zeppelin was when we were first old enough to kind of appreciate it, sure. and now we think about... The same distance of time now to what's old, you know, what would we be thinking of? Because we were, when we were in college, it's 90. Uh, Zeppelin is big in the uh, mid-70s, so 15 years. What's 15 years old now from this point? Nirvana. Okay, Uh, see? uh, Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Well, Nirvana came out in 1991. I was a senior in high school when Smells Like Teen Spirit came out. Right. Uh, the only CDs I still own, because I've just sold them all and gotten rid of them because you don't need them anymore with Amazon Music and everything else digitally. That must have been hard for you. It was. <laughs> the only CDs I still own is my is my Led Zeppelin box set that has all the original album art and everything else uh, that, that came out, uh, I think, like as the 30th anniversary uh, of uh, of uh, of Zeppelin's first album uh, that I got very as a Christmas gift from the wife early in our marriage. Those are the only CDs that I still own, yes. and and now that set is you know twenty years old. Chris, you millennials, what what, what went on in your childhood that the, my my children would not be able to comprehend, if anything? 
Oh, you know, I mean, I remember a bunch of cartoons from when I was a kid and Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon actually had good shows. I remember Blockbuster and, and Dad would come home with Friday Night Pizza and the VHS of Indiana Jones or st- mm-hmm. the original trilogy Star Wars movies. We watched that. And that was before George Lucas ruined them, by the way, with all his special editions. Uh, but the thing that really got me this week is I was on the Internet and I watched a social media video. It's one of those videos that goes viral and everybody watches it and comments it and likes it. And there were these two kids. I think one was like 17 years old, one was like 18 years old. And what their parents had done is they parents had given them a rotary phone. You know, one of those little dials. Oh, my wife, was, my wife phone. was showing this to me. Yeah, yeah. Too. They put the rotary phone on a table and they didn't tell the kids how to use it. They right. said, hey, right. figure out how to use that. I kid you not, Steve. These two teenagers, a 17-year-old and an 18-year-old, spent a good 10 minutes <laughs> struggling yeah, I, to figure I've out this. how to stu- swivel yeah. the stupid little dial and roll the phone. <laughs> Like they had the phone hung up and they were trying to move the dial and they thought that you'd have to like take it and then swivel it to the six. And that meant six. You don't start at the six. The way that you do it is you start at whatever number you want. You go all the way to the little metal knob thing and then it rolls back. They, they just couldn't do it. They couldn't figure out how to use a rotary phone. You know what they should have done is they should have said expecto petroleum <laughs> and, and gotten the thing to work. Harry, that's what they should have done. I had to fill one more in. I had to. Aaron, what about you? I just want to call call you out on one thing. Like two weeks ago, I was like, hey, you ever heard of this band called Greta Van Fleet? Uh, great. If you like Led Zeppelin, you're going to love You could still feel young by knowing that this style of music still lives on. Chris will vouch for me. Sure. They yeah. sound a lot like Greta Led Zeppelin, Fleet. but they're, they're very... You you have Amazon Music. Check them out, All Steve. Right. Greta Van Fleet? Greta Van I know Fleet. Greta Van Susteren, but uh, you know, I don't that. know that she's getting on the yeah. guitar as Jimmy no. Page. But. Uh, Greta Van Fleet. Okay, two things. Okay. Right. Uh, one is um, this: the following conversation. Boom, you're dead. I got you. I got you. Okay, let's go back to the fort now. Something like that. Um, <laughs> seriously, now it's all Fortnite. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I thought, hey, Dad, can we spend fifty dollars for new skins for our Fortnite? Characters? Yeah, these are, I'm having these conversations with Noah yep. as we speak right yep. now. Yeah. Uh, the other uh, thing is, in light of these guys, um, Damon Heward, um, Tyler Thigpen, oh, wow, um, uh, Matt Castle, and uh, there's one Brody Croyle. Nice. Nice. All right. Um, exit question. If your optimism for the next generation were a Led Zeppelin song, which Led Zeppelin song would it be? A, Houses of the Holy. B, No Quarter. C, Good Times, Bad Times. Or D, Fool in the Rain. Todd. I hate the fact that No Quarter. It's, it's, it's going to be rough, man. Are you going no quarter? I'm going no quarter. All right. Pandolfo, what do you think? Good times, bad times. Because that, that's just human history, man. That's the story of all of us. Right? All right. Each generation He's has right. its good points. I need him points. to be right. You need him to be right? I need him to be right. I, right my you kids ramble for on? my kids. All right. What do you think, Aaron? It's good times, bad times. Good times, bad times. All right. Let's get to some predictions, and these better be good. All right? Especially with a wizard on the panel. Don't, don't, don't come weak. All right? Todd, I'll start with you. Uh, the, uh, we didn't really talk government shutdown, uh, in terms of duration today, but, uh, it is going to go into February. I think Donald Trump has a, uh, taste for it now. Uh, it's going to go, it's going to go into February. Um, I could see it going on for another month. Tell me why it wouldn't go even longer than that. Oh, I, I'm just, 
I can't. Okay. I can't predict the the events that suddenly reshuffle things, yeah. and that could certainly happen. And we just got done alluding to one with um, that the BuzzFeed maybe maybe not whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and I've I've got Saints uh, Chiefs. Saints and Chiefs. All right, from this weekend in the championship games, Mr. Potter. All right. Uh, if the Patriots beat the Chiefs on Sunday, I will be sick. I won't be able to work on mm-hmm. Monday because Rob, you know, will be in this office all up in my face in his <laughs> decked out Patriots gear. And I just don't know part of that. So I, I will be sick on Monday is my prediction. Nice. What do you think, Aaron? Um, I think the 2019-2020 season will be Andy Reid's final season of coaching, at least at, in Kansas City. Wow. Really? Yep. With his pet project at quarterback that he's molding into his into into his his little uh, Cybertron as we speak, he's going to walk have, away from it. I have my reasons. Okay, all right. I'm going to predict the NCAA will announce this year that all players who are on track to graduate that are on pace in their current class designation to obtain a degree in four years will no longer have to sit out a year if they want to transfer, regardless of circumstances. I think they're going to make that announcement. Good to see you again, uh, Mr. Potter. Good luck to you in your future travels. All right? Take care. Thank you, sir. We're back with Hour 2 here on The Blaze. Stay tuned. Back here with hour number two, live and on demand on The Blaze. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. 888-933-93 is the number. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. For those of you getting the audio portion of this only, last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. And if you are listening to our podcast today or any day, if you have time to leave us a five-star review, you know, the more of those we get, the more of people like you we tend to find. So please take a few seconds out of your day to leave us one of those. And all of you that have done so already, thank you very much. Uh, if you are somebody that is involved uh, in making sure your identity is protected, that's wise, given the era in which we live. I don't know if you saw a recent headline of what happened to the Marriott Corporation. Uh, 500 million identities were stolen uh, because of uh, a data breach at the, the Starward Hotels, which is uh, one of their subsidiaries. And you may see a story like that and you're like, well, you know, my identity theft protection that I buy, they're good. Uh, they're on it. They've let me know in the past when something like this has happened and they've protected me. So I'm not concerned about it. But even if your identity is not vulnerable, have you considered what those thieves could do with that information and on a secondary level? Because included in that identity uh, theft, that kind of a data breach would be information like maybe um, a checking account number. Uh, the uh, the last four digits of a social security number, um, a, you know, a, a date of birth or a password protection name, uh, something along those lines. The kinds of things that you would enter in uh, in order to verify your identity digitally that are unique to you. And even though your identity now may be protected, things that they can use your identity that aren't protected. Let me give you an example. The most valuable asset just about any American will ever acquire in their lifetime is their own home, particularly the equity that you build up in that house. And 
those home title lock or home title deeds are now all online. They don't have to go to county assessor or recorder's offices anymore. They can usually get them right off a website, particularly now if they have all that personal information to claim that they're you. And then when you go to cash in on all that equity, it's not there. Don't let that happen to you. Get home title lock. Your identity theft will not protect you. Your identity theft protection from a secondary threat like this. That's why you need home title lock. It's just pennies a day to make sure a virtual barrier is put around your most valuable asset, your own home and the equity in that home. And if you want to find out, hey, has somebody tried to do this to me already? Particularly if you are in the rental properties business and you've got a lot of different home titles that you're trying to hold on to, they'll give you a free title scan and report right now just for being a part of our family here at The Blaze. HomeTitleLock.com is where you got to go to claim it. Normally it costs 100 bucks, but we'll give it to you today for free at HomeTitleLock.com. All right, let's get to today's truth bomb. Another completely contrived attempt uh, for me to have an excuse to promote my new book out now. Truth bombs confronting the lies conservatives believe to our own demise. You can pick up your copy, find bookstores everywhere. Or as my as my publisher would prefer, you would just go to Amazon right now and pick up a copy. Leave us a, a five-star review while you're there. Again, just like with the podcast, the more people that leave us said five-star reviews, the more people are more inclined to try the book out for themselves. And that leads to today's truth bomb. One of our uh, viewers slash listeners is a young man named Andrew Hansen. And Andrew Hansen, uh, yesterday on my Facebook wall, dropped his own truth bomb, including my favorite criticism of the book that I have seen yet. And it's too long to share here on the show, but if I could sum up why he's only willing to give it right now between three and four stars, it's because Andrew Hansen thinks, God bless him. He thinks the book isn't brutal enough. He thinks the book actually left out some sacred cows. He thinks some folks are walking away with scant remnants of flesh still remaining upon their corpse at the end of this book. That's a great American. That, that's, that's my kind of criticism right there. If, if, if the criticism is... Frankly, I, I know you're capable of, 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 a, of a higher volume of sheer brutality than this, Dace. I will accept that, own it, and graciously thank you uh, for, your, for the accountability that you are trying to provide. If that's the criticism of this book, that it, the, if that shows me our show is doing its job, if Andrew Hansen gets in the middle of the book or at the end of the book, sees the vast wasteland that's left, by the time I'm done and says, I got to be honest, Ace, <clears throat> that body over there is twitching. I, I, I'm very disappointed in you right now. I'm, I can live with that, Todd. I'm okay with it, actually. This is the kind On of, many levels. This is the kind of guy at the end of uh, the Civil War uh, when Abe Lincoln goes with malice for none. He butts it. He says, whoa, uh, no, 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 no. You ain't taking your ma- yeah, malice, malice for a few me. people yes. here. Yes. Aaron, you have a thought on that? No. Um, that's... That's um, that is that is the type of person. Actually, I think we can share a country with. I want him on this, my team when yes. this all uh, when this all burns down and we have to rebuild again. Because at least you know, um, at least you know when you're rebuilding, he's going to have an eye out for anything else that's that's twitching. 
out there. So yeah, when I'm on my team, that's that's assumed. But yeah, I think I think we could I think we could share a uh, a remnant of ashes with him when this all burns down. Indeed. So Andrew Hansen, I wanted to thank you very much. That is my favorite. In fact, that's that's the best criticism I have gotten on any at any you know phase or stage of my career in quite a long time. I I got to be honest, Ace. I I expected. I, I expected more brutality. If that if we have if we have moved a portion of our audience to that place, then I'm going to be like Joe Namath at the end of Super Bowl three. Man, I'm jogging off the field, waving one of these, and y'all have a nice life here. I did my job, so thank you, Andrew. Let's get to feedback Friday, and uh, you may have noticed my uh, my my laptop's not been on uh, the desk here the last couple of days, uh, and it's because. Uh, it just decided to stop working, even though it's less than a year old. So I, it, it's in the shop right now. I don't have it. And here's why that matters right now. All of the emails I was planning on us responding to Uh-oh. are on that computer. Uh-oh. No, they're not gone. I just don't have access to them right now. All the data and stuff's been recovered. We're good. It's just, you know what it was? The uh, uh, the the fan went out. So it, it just kept overheating and shutting itself off. So I just have to have a new fan part shipped in, installed, and it'll be back to normal. Everything else is fine. So I, I, I got to thinking last night, how are we going to do Feedback Friday when all my feedback is, you know, in a shop in, in somewhere in Iowa? And then I realized, you know what, let's let's go on Twitter and solicit some questions and and let people decide, hey, we will answer as many of your questions as we possibly can. And we got quite a few. And I, I picked out a list of questions that I thought – uh, were okay to answer, and both from a snotty standpoint, but also a substantive standpoint. And and I gave I gave Aaron a list of them. See if we can get through. We'll see how many of these we can get through in the course of this hour here on a Feedback Friday. You guys ready to go? Always love this segment. All right. So Aaron will have the questions for those of you watching us today up on the Blaze. Aaron will have them up on the screen. Here is question number one. Uh, this is from Michelle Lee. She says, uh, you guys have become my go-to listen along with the Glenn Becks and Ben Shapiro's of the world. By the way, that is very high praise. Thank you, sincerely. She goes, but I'm curious, who do you read, listen to, or admire in your business amongst your current peers? Um, I th- I'm going to let all three of us answer this, okay? Just, I'll start with myself. One caveat, the th- all the stuff I'm involved in when I'm not on the air, I, I just don't have the time to consume mass portions of a lot of other uh, conservative media. Uh, Every now and then, actually, it's more frequent now, some of you will send me links to a podcast or an article. You're like, you got to see this, you know, or you, or you two will do it. And if I'll, I'll try to make time, you know, when I'm doing my wind down, fire up the Madden at 11 o'clock at night, and I'm trying to, you know, get my brain to shut down. I'll I'll try to sample as much of that stuff as I can. A lot of what I see, uh, that's what I use Twitter for uh, as an abbreviated sort of a, a wire service. And then when I see something, like I saw something from Matt Walsh yesterday and I'm like, I got to read this and I'll click on it and read it, you know? So um, the people that we asked to endorse the book, we didn't just ask these people to endorse the book. And and those people are Matt Walsh, Glenn Beck, Dan Bongino, um, 
Mark Levin, Ben Shapiro. We didn't just ask them to endorse the book because they have bigger audiences than we do. But there's lots of people that have bigger audiences that we do that I would not ask to endorse our material. We wanted them to endorse it because we have respect for a lot of the work they do and see a crossover uh, appeal to audiences. So uh, if you see somebody that endorses uh, one of my previous books, they absolutely would be on the list. Uh, several of the guys I just mentioned. Um, uh, I've met, I'll go off the grid for a few people uh, that I've mentioned in the past. I like Chris Steyerwalt at Fox News a lot. Uh, and what I like about him is his political analysis. Uh, it doesn't take into account any of the tribalistic preferences or narrative of the day at all. I like that a lot. You know, so he would be on my list. Um, I don't think Sean Trendy at Real Clear Politics is necessarily a conservative. I think Tom Bevan at Real Clear Politics tends to lean more that way. But those two guys do really honest critical analysis. So I would, uh, I would, I would take a look at uh, some of those as names that would be outside of the typical conservative mainstream, um, but I think have some valuable things to say to conservatives. Uh, at the same time. So I'll, I'll turn it now over to you guys. Uh, and I'm sure I forgot some people, yeah. but you know, that, that's how it works. The, the Federalist, Federalist uh, is very uh, consistent Agreed. in terms of the, yeah. the the quality it puts out, both in terms of uh, volume and then variety from uh, other, just consistently uh, on point, something that you can uh, generally uh, trust. And, and I, I wasn't aware of him. Perhaps I should have been before this whole Tucker, Tucker Carlson thing started. But Matthew Peterson in two columns he's written since then has absolutely uh, blown me away. So I hope I get more of that. It's worthwhile for you to check into him. Aaron? Yeah, um, primarily um, Shapiro and Walsh at the Daily Wire, especially when there are things – um, that are important that they uh, write their thoughts on about. I really respect their uh, opinions when there are recent developments and kind of how they think through things. Um, I would also say Chris Pandolfo, who we just had on, yeah. um, whenever yep. he's has the opportunity to write uh, a, more of a lengthy piece, um, I, I will always read that uh, or at least try to. Um, sometimes I read Steve's articles, but not, not that often. So. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Chris, I, I should mention, you know, I let him read an, an early finished manuscript of the book last year. And he came back with um, a few su- su- crit- uh, critical suggestions. And a couple of them I thought uh, had no merit whatsoever. Uh, but one of them I thought had an exceedingly high amount of merit and I, in- I incorporated it. That's why I mentioned I, I referred to it as an early finished uh, draft of the manuscript because I took that change that he suggested uh, that I thought had a lot of merit and incorporated it into the final uh, manuscript of the book, uh, and it it absolutely made the book for uh, made the book better. So, uh, agree with Aaron. If you're looking for somebody again younger off the grid of most people, Chris on our show that you just heard last hour, Chris Pandolfo is really good as well. And again, I'm, I apologize if we forgot anybody whatsoever, but hopefully that's at least a good. Uh, you know what, if you want theology, if you want a theological answer, there's a lot of places I could go and most of them would be names. Those of you that would want theology would know. So let me give you a name. You probably haven't heard a lot. Owen Strain is his name. S T R A C H A N. It doesn't look like it's pronounced strain, but it is 
Owen Strain. I've heard Owen speak in person. I've, we've had him on the show before. I've looked at a lot of his stuff. That's That, that guy's pretty rock solid. I'd, I'd take a look at his work as well. Um, let's go to the next question here on a Feedback Friday, live and on demand on The Blaze. This is from K equals Rat. Um, okay. He says, how old were your kids before your wife let you disappear for the last two weeks of the year to the basement without having to really do anything? You describe vacation as a paradise of video games and sports. I have youngins, so I work harder at home. When's the reprieve? Um, okay. Uh, that's not entirely accurate. Okay. Um, uh, we do have, we, we've had a longstanding uh, process in our home. For nine months out of the year, as much as dad's work will permit him, I do whatever I can to put uh, the needs of the many above the needs of the one. Uh, and we'll work my schedule around what everybody else needs of me to have as a schedule. Sometimes I have to do something for work and, you know, we need to pay the bills that it just doesn't work. But that actually doesn't happen very often, you know. Um, so barring that, nine months out of the year, dad puts everybody else first. And then the next three, the, then the next three months, well, yeah, September, October, November, because December kind of doesn't really count for the college football season. It's in there, but it's kind of not. So for September, October, and November... Everybody else kind of agrees as best as they can because um, I hope that I've earned as a dad with the amount of time investment I make those other months that they agree that dad can now make some withdrawals out of the family account and we'll work around dad's love of college football. But as my kids get older, by the way, that doesn't work the way that it used to. Like, for example, Noah has played flag football the last few years and you know, his games are often right when a lot of the college football games are kicking off. And so I've mastered the art of, I, I, I figured most people don't like me already, so this won't bother anybody. I go off and stand off in a corner because a lot of, you know, I've, I've been very visible in our community. So a lot of people know who I am and, and they'll come up and say, oh man, did you just see what happened in the Michigan game? No, don't tell me. And I thought I'm, I, there's no way to avoid that without coming across as rude. So I'll, I'll be aloof. Maybe aloof is better than rude, right? So I literally would go stand off. You're comfortable with both. <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> yes. So, so I would go. Middle-aged lady comes over to you. This is Steve's definition of aloof. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite that. Usually I cut it off if they're middle-aged, okay? Uh, but I will go stand off, you know, in the corner of the end zone by myself and watch Noah's game. So I don't have my phone or anything with me. I'm recording stuff in real time. I'll get home, have no idea what happened, okay? Um, you know, so I, as the kids get older and, and their schedules now uh, aren't, as a, aren't as flexible and accommodating as when they were little, I don't get the chance to do this as much. But, you know, that's, we, we've worked those things out as a family and, and we have those boundaries as a family. And by the way, we have to reset them. And sometimes it, 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 it requires an argument or a confrontation to reset them. I don't want everybody to think, you know, um, I go home and it is father's knows best. It's not, I have a really good family life, but we have plenty of conflicts. I mean, there's a reason why I left here a week ago, suddenly with a situation I had to deal with at home. And it, it wasn't because everybody was like, you know what, dad, we haven't told you how great you are. Can you hurry home right now so we can tell you one more time? All right. So I want to make sure, you know, I, I do my best to try and keep it real. 
while protecting the you know my family's privacy at the exact same time. And they're used to dad being a public figure, so they're not as sensitive about it. But we do have certain areas that require us to you know have a, a you know a, a privacy barrier that we we feel like you can deal this with this stuff safely as a family. Like this last Christmas break we had, you know, there was more drama than any Christmas break I can remember, and a lot of it is because I've got. Uh, two and a half teenagers. I've got two teenage girls and a boy that's about to become one, you know? And it was funny. It, it, it only finally settled down. The last few days of vacation this year were like what it was when the kids were little and everybody got along and we liked being around each other. And I was like, boy, of course, now that it's like that again, I got to go back to work, you know? So um, my encouragement to you uh, and K equals rat... <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to have some kind of serious dialogue. Anyway, K equals rat. Let's try this. Um, <laughs> I didn't even look at his name when I sent you the question. I just thought this was a really good question. Okay. Uh, have conversations and what are the boundaries and what is everybody? You know where most conflict happens amongst people who care about each other? Unmet expectations. Unmet expectations is where most confrontation occurs from people that care about one another. And most of those expectations are unmet because they weren't weren't communicated ahead of time. Not always, but a lot of times it's because they weren't communicated ahead of time. Or unrealistic. And and you just expected because I care about you or you care about me that this was going to go down the way that I thought. Okay, so let's, you know, communicate. Have some of those expectations. And, you know, when, when I used to talk, when I talked about how we used to hang out in the, I used to go down in the basement, I wasn't down there by myself. I mean, I remember I, my all-time favorite Christmas vacation, and, and they've all been good to some extent, even this last one with all the drama. But my favorite one, it was 10 years ago when the first Batman Arkham Asylum game came out. And Noah was four, and, or it was 2010. Noah was three, Zoe was five, uh, Anna was nine and we played that game all the way through several nights in a row as a family solving the puzzles together. So I'm not like, I don't want to make it look like I'm like down there, you know, with, you know, like Al Bunny with my hand halfway down my pants and my feet kicked up and the tub of corn and nine remotes, you know, I mean, I, we, we spend a lot of time in the basement over Christmas break as a family together, kind of getting reconnected because the rest of the year we're kind of, you know, especially as the kids get older, doing a lot of their separate things and stuff of that nature now. But so my advice to you, other than try another Twitter handle, K equals rat, uh, my second piece of advice would be um, have communication up front about what everybody's expectations are, what free time looks like, when are we going to do it? You know, we all need our personal time, you know, so communicate those expectations and agree upon them up front. And then do your best as the dude. I'm assuming you're the dude. Do your best as the dude to set the set the uh, the example by living up to those expectations and honoring your commitments, uh, so that others will now feel more compelled to follow that example. What do you think, Todd? Uh, well, keeping it within the specific confines of the kind of things. See, video games aren't an issue. I mean, I I, I just don't play them games i can pretty much he's more work. mature than me is what he's no, trying I just, to say and my kids have a well what you just got this the, the switch yeah. and it's kind of i peer over their shoulder to kind of see what the kids are doing these days but that, it, that's just not a thing sports with me and this is steve's dead on it, it was pretty clear early on that what 
what I could do and what I couldn't do, what would fly, what wouldn't. I can, any game that's my team, I can pretty much watch whenever I want to, as long as there's not a, like my kids are really busy during football season. Uh, and, and so I'm, I, and I'd, I'd actually prefer to go watch my kid play soccer, even than watch the Packers right now. So that's not an issue. And I'll go back and figure out what happened and catch up later. Um, but we, if we're just sitting around, nothing else is going on. I, Badgers, Packers. But if I, I, it was clear, like I, you know, I couldn't just sit and watch football or any other sport, whatever your thing is, that wasn't uh, going to fly. Uh, there were the needs that Steve is talking about that would have to be attended to that just would never jive with that. Um, so it, forget the specifics. Steve is dead on. Early on, if you really love uh, this woman, you got to figure out what that is. You're a damn fool if you don't. Mm. Aaron, your extensive background on this question. You want to answer this one? Why, yes, I would. <laughs> <laughs> time for Festivus' airing of grievances actually after what he tried with me earlier in the show I, I needed to return I needed to return what, volley what did I tr- try with you the beard thing yeah oh, oh okay yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, no a quick but seriously a quick word on the uh, the expectations thing uh, I've said this before I'll say it again that that applies to basically any any relationship of this of this type um, you know, there's a difference between expectations and standards. I think probably yeah. a standard that, um, a, um, you know, your wife has for you is that if needed, then you will exit the basement. You know, if, if it's if, if we need you to do something else, you will. And you meet that standard. The expectation is uh, an expect an unhealthy expectation or unrealistic expectation is um, you're going to be out doing some, something, uh, you know, honeydew things all of the time, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, those, those things are really important. Keep in your mind difference between expectations and standards. All right, let's get to our next question via Twitter here on a Feedback Friday. This is from Nick. That's much better than K equals rat. Thank you, Nick. Nick says, what do the next 10 to 15 years look like for Christian conservative parents, specifically with regards to education? I am a public high school teacher and have two young sons who are not yet in school. Nick, uh, what I'm going to say next is not hyperbolic. I believe this wholeheartedly. I believe, Nick, that you will have to either renounce your faith in most states in the union within the next 10, 15 years, or you won't be able to keep that job. You will have to sign what amounts to some form of a faith or creedal statement uh, to show allegiance to the state. Um, and that's where this is heading. Uh, we are, we are, there's going to be, a, and it's already underway, there's going to be a systematic attempt to purge. And it will start, um, and it's already started in places like California and places like that. But the left America will attempt to purge uh, any form of Judeo-Christian Orthodox religious belief from pu- the public will and public life within those uh, enclaves and within those communities. Uh, and, and you will have to agree to, um, to teach C- Caesar is Lord, uh, and, and, and which you're probably already doing, frankly, if you're a public school teacher. But now it will be compulsory, and you will have to agree that um, you will 
if, if required and asked, deny your Lord. That's what I think will happen in the next 10 to 15 years. And it won't just be in the schools. It will be in every public venue uh, that these people um, control or attempt to. That's what I think will happen to people like you. You know, I believe that. Uh, Your your job is on the line. Uh, Your your command of your home uh, as the protector of your children, the edu- the primary educator of your own children, it, it's it's all going to be on the line. I'm talking uh, social services stuff. Yep. Uh, yeah. Well, we we heard this. Uh, we have these concerns. Um, I, it's yeah, and there's no point even saying I'm not being trying to like you said be hyperbolic. I mean, the, it, it pick up pick up the newspaper. This is well, the next the logical step after telling. Yeah. Christian churches, you have to change your morality to perform these social services, to to serve the the culture in this area. This is the next logical step. Restraint, restraint isn't a yes. word within within Marxist progressivism. And to make that point, you just we've been talking about uh, intersectionality a lot right now. But look what is happening. I mean, Tulsi Gabbard, who um, is a woman, uh, who is a minority, um, but she is being thrown hard under the Rainbow Jihad's bus. I mean, that game is being won and run in a route uh, uh, by uh, gay trans. And that's not going anywhere. The sign being that, of course, there's not going to be uh, any restraint if they are so willing to throw those who agree with them more often than not. They will give you no quarter. And as if the as Aaron and Steve diagnosed earlier in the week, if the FBI is willing to, uh, in terms of the power of the government, is willing to just say, yeah, just because we want to, we're going to investigate uh, uh, the president. The rest of us are in trouble, too. And you're going to have boss hogs all across no the fruited plain knocking on your door and saying, oh, go, time to pay the piper. Yes. And what's going to happen is some of your, quote unquote, Christian friends that think that the way to save America is to be nicer than God, they're going to lead them right to your house. And they'll tell you, they'll show them right where you live and they'll feel real bad about it while they're standing out there on the sidewalk, uh, hey, you know, pointing the gun at you, but, but, but they're going to be the ones that will turn on you. All right. Um, and, and what will be very interesting to see is what happens to base democratic voters. How many of them make the decision that the price of, of voting this way, cause I'm black or I'm a single mom or I'm Asian or Hispanic, uh, or I need a subsidy or this or that, how many of them decide that this is the societal cost of that ROI is worth it? That See, there's two groups that are going to have to make a big choice here. One is Christians will be compelled to choose, just as we have in every culture that we've that we've that that the pagans have controlled, who is Lord, Jesus or Caesar. This has gone on since the first century and it will in every culture pagans control until Jesus returns. But this will be the first time that the pagans have to make a choice. The pagans are going to have to choose, you know, because this is do they prefer that culture and where it will ultimately lead to this one? That'll be a fascinating choice to watch what some of your Democrat friends and family members will decide to do 
when this happens because they're going to be forced, like you just pointed out with Tulsi Gabbard, they're going to be forced to choose as well. We'll come back more in a moment here, live and on demand on The Blaze. Stay tuned. Final half hour of the week, or more specifically, final 20 minutes of the week. Live and on demand here on The Blaze, I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. Let's continue with our Feedback Friday, getting to as many of the questions you guys sent to us last night on Twitter as we possibly can. Next up is this one from Blake Johnson. He says, what do you think happens to the state of the church after Trump? Do you think it gains or loses ground on reaching others for Christ in the wake of so many practically pledging allegiance to Trump and the Republican Party? I I think that... Um, similar to his impact on the political arena, Trump's impact on the church is way overblown. Agreed. Just as his impact on the church is, again, Trump is neither the problem nor the solution. What the likes of Jerry Falwell Jr. are doing for Trump now, I mean, Pat Robertson was doing for Rudy Giuliani when he endorsed him in his 2008 run. He endorsed uh, the pro-gay marriage, pro-abortion Republican in 08, Pat Robertson did because he was, quote, electable. Okay, It's James Dobson going out on the airwaves on Sean Hannity's show on Fox saying, I can never support John McCain. He doesn't have the character to be president of the United States. I could never do it. And then John McCain gets the nomination. He's like, well, we got to save America and vote McCain. This is not any different. The cake, let me say it again. The cake hasn't changed. The frosting is zanier. But the cake hasn't changed. In fact, to be honest, can we, no, you're of no BS. You're of no BS, right? The yeah. reality is for, for all the, even though Jerry Falwell Jr. is not nearly as good at being at clowning himself out as tactfully as the Ralph Reeds of the world have done it for years, he's gotten a hell of a lot more out of Donald Trump than Ralph Reed ever got out of any of the Republicans he's done it for in the past. <laughs> so if we're going to say, dude, this town needs a better class of prostitute. Jerry Falwell Jr. is a hell of a lot better at it than, than the Ralph Reeds of, it, of the world are. I mean, look at the stuff. Is Donald Trump's administration two years in already more domestically conservative than George W. Bush's was? No question. It's not even a debatable point, no. guys. It's not even a debatable point. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. More conservative than George Herbert Walker Bush's uh, administration was? I don't even think that's debatable. More conservative than, than John, John McCain's would have likely been? Oh, no question. Given his record in the Senate? Yep. More conservative than what we've seen from Mitt Romney? I'll bet you a Chick-fil-A sandwich. Yes. No, thank you. That'll preach. So we can laugh at the clown show Jerry Falwell Jr. has become and, and you know, the, the ridiculous stuff he says that, you know, well, he didn't, Trump didn't rape anybody like JFK allegedly did. Or, or the stuff Franklin Graham said the other week where I can't imagine Trump would, no, Falwell actually said that too. I, I can't remember anything Trump would do that, would ever, that could ever embarrass the country. Say whatever you want. His John pays. Know what I'm saying? When his John's done, he leaves the money on the counter. He leaves the hotel room. What in the world did those who did this for the Bushies and the Republican establishment, like Ralph Reed all these years, what did they get in return? What did they get for it? Do you know what they got? Sometimes they got a seat at the table. Sometimes they got a speaker slot. Sometimes they got that. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, we're getting a better class of prostitute right now, as far as I can tell. The, the, The stuff that's killing the church with Trump goes goes to the it, it, it's twofold but not none of it has anything to do with trump he just exposed what was already happening there was already a, a generational divide in the christian church about how much to continue to whore ourselves out for the republican party or not 
And guys my age to, to Aaron's age were already getting increasingly uncomfortable with it. And the younger you went, the more uncomfortable they got with it. And watching their parents just excuse all of Trump's boorish behavior that they told them that the fact that your parents told you at the dinner table, if you're a young millennial believer, save yourself from marriage. Sex is a wonderful gift from God. Don't sin against your future wife. How many of those lectures did you get? Quite a few. Quite a few. And then, you know, your parents are then, then, they, then they turned around and told you, but we really need you to vote in your first election for the guy at 60 having unprotected sex with porn stars while his pregnant wife is home uh, delivering their child that he met while she was doing lesbian porn from his plane. Right? That's going to be a tough sell, guys. Tough sell. But you know what? Um, your parents didn't, that wasn't the first election your parents made that Faustian bargain. They made it for all kinds of Republicans in the past. Trump's just the Trump's just the zanier frosting version, just the zanier frosting version. So, I mean, John McCain didn't believe in repealing Roe v. Wade. He just only had one ex-wife. You know, I mean, he only cheated on one wife. So, you know, nothing's changed. We keep making it act like all Trump's changed everything. He didn't change anything. He exploited the changes that had already occurred in us. Same thing in the church. And now what you're seeing in the church is the same thing you're seeing in politics. Where now you have a group of people who wouldn't support Trump because of all the things I just said. And now you go on their Twitter feeds or you listen to their podcasts. And now they're really concerned about social justice. Racial reconciliation. And racial reconciliation. And now, they, now, and now they write columns in Christianity Today where they don't use their names. They adopt their African names or something or other to show just how truly woke they be. Okay, same scam we're seeing over here in the political arena. Your issue really is you just want Christians to vote more liberally. You just know that telling Christians to vote for socialists won't sell. So you're just repackaging the same crap. That doesn't mean that everybody who's concerned about a a tribalistic political influence on the church is a hack. There are several who aren't. And they may not always be right, but they have legitimate concerns, concerns that we have talked about on this show for how many times? How many how many shows on this topic have we done, guys, in the last just since the last couple of years since you've been (laughs) to some extent, it seems like it. But what you're seeing is these same Christian leaders, when a flawed man, what you're seeing is we is we had one group of fake Christian leaders who wanted Trump to be made Trump out to be King David. He, King David's uh, life is one of repentance, and he had much to repent for. There is no repentance in Donald Trump's heart. Okay, so that's a fake tribalistic scam. The new tribalistic scam is that even when Trump shows he has some Samson-esque characteristics, a totally carnal man, totally carnal man driven by his basic instincts and primal passions, but still is incapable of every now and then rustling those carnal desires and, and primal passions into a righteous act, they won't give him credit for that when he does it either. Don't fall for either one of those scams. And by the way, they're not new. They're really not new. If, if, if you've decided I'm going to change what I believe as a Christian because of Donald Trump, either for or, or nay, uh, then I would ask you to ask yourself, are you really a Christian? 
Um, because do why do you call me Lord if you do not do what I say? Do not be conformed to the thoughts and patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Offer your body, your life up as a living sacrifice. Only then, only then do you know God's perfect and pleasing will. So if you're out there conforming yourself and refashioning yourself, either pro or con Donald Trump, you're an idolater. I don't care how many seminary degrees you have. I don't care how many books you've sold, how many more than me. I don't care how many more podcast downloads you have. You're an idolater. Say it with me, idolater. And that's a you problem, Todd. Well, I just answered this question in almost the exact same way earlier in the show in my truth bomb when I talked about it was, you know, the left and what it wants to do is Christianity is a, is a dire concern. But the reason it's possible is because the biggest problem, as Steve said, is what is going on inside the church. So they're, they're Trump, the left, progressivism. Uh, I, we already have the answer. The gates of hell cannot prevail against it unless... And this is the definition of hell. We say, hey, ourselves, come on in. The water's fine. That's what, hell is someplace we choose to go to. It is not something forced upon us by some fate that is just beyond, that's that's a different religion. It is not ours. Uh, We welcome in as a church the cancers that plague us. Yep. They can't touch us otherwise. Um, yeah. And I would answer this question. Um, nothing will happen to the church because the true church is not the phony baloney social club that a lot of people think that it is. Uh, the country club, the get together every week church, the, the real universal body of believers. As Todd just said, the gates of hell will not prevail against that. Here's what's going to have the most impact whether or not Trump leaves or not, ever leaves or not, um, pastors preaching the word of God. I preach. You would never, ans- yep. <clears throat> you would never even think about asking this question, Blake. If we had in season a majority, and out of season, in season and out of season, mm-hmm. uh, pastors actually preaching the full yeah. counsel of the word of God and not just, um, not just what you know, fill in the blank whether or not it's a seeker-sensitive message or. Uh, you know, around uh, election season, uh, Republicans, you need to vote for this one, then pass out the pamphlets with all of the rhinos. No, just pastors who courageously and fearlessly preach the word of God. That's going to have the most impact. Trump is irrelevant, as Steve already um, pointed out. He is just a symptom of the problem. Yeah. And and you know why he's irrelevant? Because of what you heard Todd say. The gates of hell can't prevail. So if your church is divided by Donald Trump, Donald Trump didn't divide your church. You did it. Yep. You did it. And you're not a church. You're not a church. If 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 something, if some prevailing current wind of of the world system is dividing your church, you may be a lot of things. Some of it may even be good, which you're not as a church. You may be a church, you're not the church. That's another good way of putting it. Yeah. Just a church. You're a law unto yourselves. You're your own church. I am not going to permit. I I will have, I have plenty of sins that I need the blood of Christ to cover and still do. One of them won't be, though. 
idolatry for politicians. So this can't happen unless believers are permitted to. And if you are permitting it to, so that you will excuse all of Trump's awful behavior on one hand, or you won't, you will look the gift horse in the mouth. And when an unrighteous man does righteous things, will not be thankful and say, I appreciate that probably even more coming from a room like yourself, whichever side of the idolatry you're on, make no mistake, you're an idolater and you two really aren't opposed to one another. You're on the same team as a matter of fact, really. So be friendlier to each other. You're co-idolaters. Next question. Joseph Kernow, reading Truth Bombs Now, when is the sequel? Amazing work. Please keep spreading the truth. That is very kind, Joseph. I put this in for two reasons. One, just to, again, plug the book. Uh, and then two, I don't know the answer to that. I had never intended to write Truth Bombs, actually. And I, I thought I might even be out of writing strictly political books for good. Uh, especially with the success of Nefarious. Um, but, you know, this idea literally as an epiphany came to me. Uh, I will tell you guys, I, I had an epiphany for a follow-up to this uh, about a month ago. I think I texted it to you guys. It was like a quick outline about whether to go down that oh, road or yeah. not. Yeah, uh, I'm not, but I don't feel like really compelled or led to act any further on that. But I do have an outline for another one if I feel like, you know, this is something that I definitely think God wants me to do. Yeah. And hey, but want, he may not. That's want, why it may never happen. I you don't want know. no BS. Yeah. Steve. And this, this, I, I like truth bombs. I love truth bombs, but the outline you sent last month, uh, I think I would look more forward to that one than I have for this one. Just no BS. Okay. I and appreciate trust, that. And trust me when he decides it's going to, the, the, he'll get done with the book. In like a month, and and then you'll wait like a a year to a year get it because of the whole process. I mean, it's it's ridiculous the pace setting aside um, nefarious plot, which was a different kind of book. Took you a while to get mm -hmm. the wheels moving and just finding the character. But when it comes to these books, I mean, I can't. It's absurd. He and I, I can I can write a column at Steve's uh, level. I, I have no idea how he writes books the way he writes books. It's well, just bizarre. What helps is when you have a good team surrounding you that takes and alleviates uh, a lot of uh, tasks and responsibilities that uh, you are responsible for ultimately, but that you can delegate and trust them to do it and achieve it at a high enough level. Um, that helps because um, my that helps clear the mind to focus on this singular task at hand. Sure it does. So you guys play a role in that. Uh, and I appreciate that is what I'm trying to say. I think maybe one of the reasons why you like the outline of a, of a potential another book I mentioned is you get the kind of truth bombs treatment because truth bombs is essentially, a, 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 yeah, it's a summation of, of my career up until this point. And you've, you've had, you've heard all these morality tales on mm -hmm. the air every day. The outline of what I sent you about a month ago is, is a, is a potential path forward. Because of because it, it, essentially, if Truth Bombs is a prequel to Rules for Patriots, meaning I don't, I think if you want to change the paradigm, you need to be convinced that the current paradigm cannot work. Mm -hmm. The what the outline I sent you is a potential path forward in light of the things Truth Bombs exposes. Yeah, maybe that's what you like about it. Yeah, I think nefarious plot in that analogy would be um, what's what's the. Uh, What's the huge collected works of uh, Tolkien that's just the lore 
of uh, of Middle Earth. That's oh, the, simi- the similarity. Yeah, the similarity. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. that's nefarious plot. Dude, We've got our full universe here. If I'm getting compared, if I'm if I'm even in the freaking, you know, not the real zip code, the regular one, like the post office one, that's twelve digits. Am I if I'm even close to that? I might just quit right now and say, I'm done here, Lord. Thank you. All right, before we get to uh, final thoughts uh, brought to you by our good friends at Home Title Lock, don't let your home's equity go to waste because somebody stole, thieved your home title from you like they can your identity. They can do this separately. Go to Home Title Lock right now, pennies on the dollar every day. We'll put a virtual barrier around your home's title, your most valuable asset, that title, that equity. If they detect any to borrow a word here, recently used nefarious activity whatsoever. They are on it right away to protect your most valuable investment. And right now, if you want to know, hey, has my home title been compromised? Has it been targeted? You can get a free title report and scan right now from Home Title Lock. That's normally about 100 bucks, but they're giving it to our family here. That's you at The Blaze for free today at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. All right, final thoughts, and and thank you to all the people who we couldn't get to your questions this hour that sent them in. Appreciate it. Final thoughts, what did we learn here today? Todd, I'll start with you. Well, along the lines of uh, fixing the church, somebody emailed me earlier this week, you know, this is going on in my parish, what do I do? And they couldn't quite see to what the consequences of potential actions would be. Listen, Steve has said this uh, for many, many years. Uh, Yours is simply to be faithful. Outcomes are for God. So... Whatever needs to be done, whatever needs to be said, whoever needs to be made to feel uncomfortable, hey, you you just run with that, and then you go ahead and sleep well at night knowing that uh, you have uh, served the Lord as best you can. He's got the rest. Aaron? Yeah, something I was wanting to say to uh, Nick, who whose question, he, he's the teacher who's uh, wondering about the future of public schools, and, and this week... And really every week, uh, to be honest. But uh, you know, just just the um, the vapid and petty nature. Um, yet it seems like everything explodes, and everything is the next big. Uh, um, every every one of us again is going to have is is it, we're this culture, this country is speeding down the railroad to having to make and force Christians to make a choice about who their God is, and especially in the context of Nick. Earlier in the hour, um, in you know, probably going to school to become a teacher like he did, and going maybe even into debt to like he did. Um, this is not really a fun time, and I'm guessing he probably like Frodo doesn't want to be uh, in this situation, be in this time at this at this particular you know um, moment in time, and being faced with what you know you think he's going to be faced with but it's like uh gandalf said and kind of along the lines of what todd said as well we just have to uh decide what to do with the time that's given us at this point and that's a that's a great reminder again for each one of us i think in between the zeppelin references the lord of the rings references we're gonna owe the tolkien foundation like a residual from this show man hey thanks for tuning in here today everybody have a great weekend we are back again on monday yes we'll be here with the mlk holiday we have something special planned for that you don't want to miss it right here on the blaze until then john 317 this is steve dace on the blaze radio network